Hello and welcome to The Loudspeaker, your definitive guide on how to scale your startup. This first tip for every fintech startup is what are the media and press saying about us, how are we being perceived by these people? PR stunts are any activities that allow you to engage with the audience. I don't agree with the fact that our publicity is good publicity. Here is where we talk to communications professionals from all around the world to let you know what are the best practices and cool ideas that you can implement for your startups. Kent, would you be able to start by telling our listeners who you are and your experience in SEO, PPC and SEM? Yes, my name is Kent Lewis. I'm president and founder of Anvil Media. We're a digital agency based in Portland, Oregon in the States. Uh, we are celebrating 20 years in business this October 2020, and I started my career um, optimizing websites back in 1996 and have been building teams ever since. I've been at nine agencies, founded two, co-founded two, started doing my own thing after I was fired from two. So <laughs> it, it works. it's worked out well for me and I think for my clients and my team as well. And we you do have- specialize in or- organic and paid search and organic or organic and paid social, a little bit of email, a little bit of Amazon. Basically. Nice. Are you able to tell us why you were fired? Were you doing some black hat stuff uh, like oh, dodgy no, SEO? No, stuff? it was never the work. I was a top, <laughs> uh, top sales guy, top team lead. I was very popular with my team. The problem was the bosses. The first time, actually some good lessons here in 1999, I co-founded an agency and there were six of us originally. Um, to, uh, we'd all worked together before and the, uh, the founder owner, he put up his 401k, his savings to launch the, the brand and we brought clients in and, and built a team. Went from uh, six original founding members to 35 members in a year and a half. And again, this was a dot-com boom. Mm. And um, the mistake I made was we on a handshake, myself and the founder who was a mentor and an idol of mine, we never had paperwork on equity. So uh, we, we did almost 2 million our first year, and this isn't capitalized billing, this is like real billable revenue. Um, we still didn't have a, an equity agreement in place. So as we started to talk through that, there became more and more friction. And the, one of the other co-founders that was a senior member of the team, like I was on the management team, he didn't get along with her. I decided perhaps foolishly to side with her when we were going to negotiate um, the equity. And while well, we built a, we're, on, we are, we're now a $3 million business, and so maybe there should be a more equitable share. We're talking single digits mm. and asking for another couple points on still single digit equity. And when we really built the business and decided to fire both of us instead of just her. Um, th- th- the next week I founded Anvil as a consultancy, but wasn't ready to do my own thing or hire employees. And that took the second time, which that team, uh, I left in the company immediately at the end of 2000, the economy caught up with all agencies. They couldn't survive without the two core founders that were the two co-founders, myself and another gal. And nine months later, they sold uh, just basically the people moved over with whatever clients were left. They went from 35 people to 12 or 11. And I ended up six months after that taking over my team again because my idol and, and, and the original founder who had been my previous boss, a different agency, he died uh, of a massive heart attack at 42 due, I think, largely to the stress of the dot-com crash and, you know, the business failing. So they needed me to take my team over. And those guys fired me because they were a almost 40-year-old agency that didn't understand what digital was. I didn't get along with them. It was a terrible fit. And that's when I decided I won't work for anybody else. And that was in 02. 
Uh, but before I went back to hiring employees at Anvil, because I still wasn't ready, I had contractors, former employees I worked well with. Um, I had an opportunity to start an email marketing agency, so I co-founded that with two friends. And after about a year of running that, I realized I don't like dealing with clients on HTML designs and spam lists and all the, uh, you know, the web dev and the emails. Uh, I like the strategy, but I didn't like the build part. So I decided to go to Anvil full time the end of 03 and start building a team there. So Anvil has run on and off the first years, um, contractors the second two years, and then the, the next 16 years I've had a team that I've managed actively. Awesome. Well, it definitely sounds like you're the perfect person to come on and discuss what SEO has been like over the years because sure, you've got sure. a short, long wealth of experience. And I know you've been in it in the game since uh, 1996. Just out of curiosity, what was SEO like back in 1996? So, uh, you know, I, I left a career in public relations, you know, talking with the media, trying to get our clients covered to a sister agency, literally I moved downstairs when that team who I'd been helping grow their business through PR said, we need somebody to run, to run our marketing and maybe help our clients, but they didn't even know what that meant. And frankly, I didn't either. So what I really owe the creative director at a company called Vivo Media, it's no, no longer around, he said, um, meta tags. And I'm like, meta what? And so I still, to this day, know very little code. And um, so I, at that lunch, I wrote that down. Then I went back and researched. I was like, oh, there's something called meta keywords, which have not existed for well over a decade. I could drop a keyword into the code, and then suddenly we would rank. Now, keep in mind, this is 96, two years before Google became a, uh, a public search engine. And so I was optimizing websites for 14 search engines, Northern Light, Lycos, Web, Web Crawler, Excite, um, you know, all of those. And, you know, you just tried to try and pick. Nobody had any meaningful market, market share. In fact, Yahoo was, the, was a big traffic site, but it didn't even have a real search engine until Google powered it a couple of years later. So SEO, there were, there were no books, there were no conferences, there were no classes. So I actually just trial and error. I had, we had a dozen clients that we built websites for at that agency and I just tested different things. And, um, but after about just under a year of building my discipline of understanding SEO and keep in mind, I took my PR background right into SEO, which was a huge difference between the code level folks that whether you had a, a degree in computer science or you fell into it as a copywriter, poli sci major, doesn't matter. Most of the SEO people I know know code and they're, they're passionate about the back end. That's never been me. I'm passionate about the front end, which is getting my clients found on cool side of the day and getting in publications um, like Windows Magazine. One of our clients, Tektronix, was corporate site of the year. So that was using my PR background. The beauty is that was just one piece of coverage and then it disappeared. But as soon as Google came along with its page rank and link algorithm, um, all of that PR I'd done shot my clients to the top of Google and they stayed there. So I had all this, already built the hub and spoke of authority of inbound links. So my clients from 96, arguably if they're still around are benefiting today. So that was the biggest thing I saw was a lot of SEOers have still, some of my friends are gray and black hat, I've always been white hat, uh, are still always trying to outsmart, you know, the tens of thousands of PhDs some of the smartest minds in the world are at Google trying to catch spammers and trickery and, and, and really poorly thought out SEO practices that work for a second and right. penalize you for months. So we've never taken that approach. I've never agreed with that approach. And I've had a couple gray hats on my team over the years and had to, of course, corrected them, basically. Yeah. 
some of my clients saw huge gains within a month or two, and then they were penalized for you know six to twelve months uh, once algorithms changed the panda and the penguin updates and so forth. So the biggest change was really one player from 14, Google, who's 90 plus percent of market share, and um, and also social media being a large credibility factor that wasn't there initially, but that's just an extension of credibility in my mind, and you know, under 5% of the ranking algorithm we estimate. It's mad to think that there was such a divided market share when it comes to search engines, because now, like, I think, to say like i'll google it or i'll google it it's such a common verb that it's 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 crazy it's like such a yeah it's so deeply entrenched in in our vocabulary like all over the world and i'm pretty sure that goes for like languages like yeah not important what language you speak you bring a very important point up Um, the news hit today here in the states you know uh, the united states is filing an antitrust lawsuit against google for uh, illegal and deceptive antitrust practices and you know i kind of like Amazon, kind of like Facebook. Uh, you know, I think these companies are too big and are too powerful. And if you haven't seen The Social Dilemma, I recommend it. Um, you know, it's the social side, but it's all data. And Google is no, really not terribly less innocent uh, of manipulating and selling and using that data. It's just that they're not necessarily changing the behavior like social media or belief systems like social media is. Conversation for another time. But, but you're right, Google is not so ubiquitous that they're getting poked at from multiple countries, including the United States. So going back to that uh, like time in 1996 and between now, this is going to be really hard for you to do. And I get that um, I'm going to be very impressed if you are able to summarize this, but how has the industry changed? And maybe if you're able to just, yeah. either if you want to explain it through like a chronological sense, or if you just want to say like then versus now, however you want to tackle this question. Sure. So what I would say is it's easier than you think, and it doesn't have to be complicated. And in fact, I remember 10 years ago, I was on a panel and this guy was like, SEO will be dead in six months, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And I was like, you are smoking crack. Mm-hmm. Um, it will always be here. As long as people want to search, there will be SEO, search engine optimization will be a component. Now it has evolved, but I, I can make it very short this, uh, evolution. So when I first started, it was 100% content, or let's say 80-20 rule, 80% content, 20% code. That is how, you know, Google, before Google, those engines looked at what was written or typed on the page, the HTML content, and then looked at a few things like title tag, meta description, meta keywords, and then boom, you were done. Then Google came and screwed that up and added something called credibility, because what I'm getting at is there are three C's of SEO that have not changed in, in the 24 years I've been in the business content code credibility. So it shifted from 80% content. Today, it's, you know, probably 30 to 40% content. Um, Code went from 20 to 30% content to, uh, you know, now again, it's probably under 20% content because the content management system CMS platforms are ubiquitous like WordPress. Um, And so what's changed the most is Google came out big with uh, the credibility factors and signals, the quality and quantity of inbound links, and then it added citations, domain history, domain expiration. Um, site speed is the biggest, I think, change in credibility, but it's also arguably a, arguably a code level issue. Um, the biggest change in code is really for us been schema in just the last couple of years. You know, uh, uh, schema markup, semantic search, uh, voice search position zero, zero click, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the biggest change in 20 plus years 
starting in 96 that I noticed was the credibility. So I mentioned my background in PR has helped me with that third C of credibility because I was always out shopping my clients' websites as something bigger than just what they were selling at that moment. So the credibility, the biggest change there is social media, right? The social signals, social sharing, um, all those signals. And then secondarily, that other fun thing called local search, right? Local SEO, uh, which combines the best and worst of SEO uh, and social and a little bit of paid, obviously. So it's, I think, obviously the most nuanced and, and challenging aspects of SEO because you can learn the code, you can follow best practice, a fast, clean code, done. Uh, CSS, HTML5, um, making sure the keywords are on the page, great. Making sure the keywords are on the, on the, in the code in the right place, title, title tag primarily and schema, great. So the hardest part to fake, which is why Google weighs it so heavily, is the credibility. Who's linking to you and how credible are they and how natural and organic are those links in that link profile and the anchor text coming in. That's, even though the link in the anchor text quality and quantity hasn't changed since 98, 22 years, all those other signals as Google has gotten smarter site traffic, stickiness of those sites, that, that credibility factor is nearly impossible to fake and uh, therefore is probably the biggest change. Yeah. We, I, I suppose that's a good thing though, like, like to be encouraging oh, totally. kind of like credibility. Yeah. If you're interested in seeing how Publicize can grow your startup, sign up for a free PR assessment on our website. And for a limited time only, exclusively for the loudspeaker listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash lspromo. I would also be interested to know, like from your experience and everything, like how you foresee SEO changing over the next 10 years or so. So I'd say, you know, we may see more sea change in the next five years, arguably, than the next 10. That's just a kind of, I like to predict more out there than the common, uh, the common guesses. In fact, for the last 15 years, we have been predicting each year what we think is happening across digital, not just SEO or search. Um, I believe that the biggest changes are, are, and it's been proven slower to adopt, I've been a huge proponent of voice search, zero click, position zero. And the what's been interesting is the adoption of smart speakers, smartphones with personal, personal digital assistance has not created the adoption levels that I, we predicted. It's there, but it's not quite there. The advertising model has still not been clearly delineated for um, Google, Amazon, and Facebook in terms of um, voice search. So we're, inter we're interested to see how that's gonna happen. The last two years we predicted this is the year, uh, last three years, this is the year of voice search. Last two years, this is the year that advertising truly happens in voice and it still really hasn't happened. So that, that's been a surprise. So that will happen, knock, knock, uh, within the next five years, by 10 years, it'll be ubiquitous. I think the other shift that was promised five plus years ago was uh, in-app um, search, right? So more beyond app store optimization is optimizing for in-app searches. And again, not really scale, not really a thing. It will be more and more of a thing as people are, there are more distributed ways to search. I think the biggest cha change in the last five years has been Amazon, right? It's gone from um, nearly no, no percentage of search and still only a couple, it's under a percent or so 
but it is half of all product searches, which is really critical for consumer packaged goods, manufacturers and retailers. Amazon is a place you have to pl play. And for the last three years, we've been huge advocates in helping our clients migrate to Amazon, arguably even late to the game at, at three years. Um, but what we've seen recently is Amazon is crushing, just like Google has been accused of and has rightfully crushed a lot of businesses by just changing rankings and algorithms, mainly to benefit themselves, which is the antitrust case, uh, is that uh, Amazon has been crushing our clients, just you know, randomly flagging. They can do whatever they want. They don't seem to have, because it's their own search engine and their own marketplace, they don't have the same rules, nor do they need to, that, that Google's facing right now. Now, they, I think they will um, be facing more scrutiny and regulation. But for now, you're so beholden to Amazon, it's not funny. Plus, in the world of SEO that I come from, it's once I get you into the rankings, that's up to you to deliver on the product. But in Amazon, the client's ability to deliver on inventory and service and shipping and having determine the right pricing impacts our ROI, whether we're optimizing feeds or building ad campaigns. So Amazon, I'll just say pretty clearly, is frustrating to say the least, and I'm less excited about it than I ever was. Um, you know, just in the last couple months of seeing the frustration from our clients. And so we are moving our clients more than ever direct to consumer. Some clients are doing the digital transformation with us thanks to COVID. Um, but by and large, you have to look at the core channels people are looking um, and searched is still a core channel where ideally I tell my clients 100% of your traffic, your revenue, your leads should be from organic search, but it never is the case. So you have to augment with paid and then you add in some paid social, some organic social, a little local, sprinkle in some Amazon if you have the product. You know, that's kind of how it's evolved. Yeah. Well, I have to say, yeah, I do agree with you to some extent. I think, well, well, entirely, I'd say. I think that many of these companies are growing quite big. They're almost like technology dictators uh, yes, in their own little, exactly right. these are their countries and they're like, they, they make the rules. And uh, right. yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. But it is. Hopefully, yeah, you're right. Hopefully, um, like that, these companies will be, I suppose, there'll be checks and balances in place, or at least yeah. uh, initiated for for to protect people. And to follow up on your question, I would say so. In the next ten years, do I see somebody actually dethroning Google without government regulation? Probably not in a meaningful way. Whether it's coming out of China or Europe or somewhere else, some other Baidu-like engine, I think it's more likely coming from the commerce side of. You know, and, and will Amazon be broken up? Probably not. So uh, it'll be interesting to see of the triumvirate of, of Facebook, Amazon, and Google, if any of them get broken up or if other natural market um, energies and trends usurp them, uh, which I think is very unlikely. And so frankly, where others I've heard are predicting many more channels, I'm actually not predicting that because those guys can crush the competition or they can acquire them one way or the other. And so it makes it very difficult. But, you know, Microsoft used to be an 800 pound gorilla out, outside of just their office suite. And they have shown that they cannot compete effectively in the world of search with Bing. I remember when they were 30% combined market share uh, once they, uh, after acquisitions and they're, you know, 2% or less with mm -hmm. their, you know, including LinkedIn. So. They, they've, you know, it's, you know, not everybody is an 800 pound gorilla in every space. So mm. there's certainly room for a ship, but I don't see a seed change. I don't see them breaking up uh, as much as they, at least Google probably needs to. Awesome. Well, my final two questions to you are based on advice. 
So but the first one, I would love to know what advice you would give to anyone who wants to develop a career in SEO now. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that is a fantastic question. And I've actually written an article on that. So I'll just recap it. Five steps to a successful career in search engine marketing. So I can be SEO, paid, or even social, frankly, any career. But uh, here has been my experience. And I've, I've been an adjunct professor for 20 years. I teach workshops quarterly for an organization called SCORE in the United States. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, we have our own Anvil University internally at Anvil. So education is key. But what I've found is the, the easiest way to start a career is just read and start with all the free or the free websites like the search engine journals. And when I wrote this article, there were um, publishers like uh, Marketing Pilgrim, but Search Engine Land, SEO Roundtable are still around. So I, I think those are important. And some of the more out there blogs, whether they're part of a bigger organization like SEO Moz, or it used to be SEO Moz, just Moz, or part of even um, HubSpot can put out some great content. But start with the publications and blogs and then those individual celebrities within search and just see what they're saying. Follow them, get on their feeds, and then obviously move to more, I think, advanced and immersive technologies like podcasting. Uh, there used to be something called Webmaster Radio. Let me see if that's still around mm -hmm. out of curiosity. Let's click on that. And then also, you know, a lot of um, YouTube uh, has a great, great video resources. I think that's a great way to do it. Um, so read, watch, and listen. And those are like the first two steps. Then I would say it's important if you're looking to get hired, even at a junior level, is to get credentialed. So um, Google has, you know, ad, Google ad and analytics certification. I think understanding GTM is important uh, for, you know, tagging campaigns and understanding how to utilize Google Analytics. Uh, we have, as I said, created our own uh, certification. More universities are creating, usually continuing ed. That's what I teach under at Portland State University is a, is a, a search marketing cert certification as part of a digital certification. Um, some major universities, uh, we have San Francisco, SFU, University of British Columbia have bigger um, bigger degrees, but there's still no formal degree in what this is. So it's really hard to get talent in that space. So getting credentialed helps. Um, it is just one more checkbox rather than me thinking you really understand Google ads. I'm Google ad certified and I'm being certified and I've never managed a campaign in my life because I've hired teams since, you know, as soon as AdWords was a thing. In fact, back in 99 when GoTo launched before it was Overture, before it was Yahoo, uh, I was, you know, uh, taking a look and dropping $50 in the campaign. It might last six months. That's how, how low the spends were back then. I think the next step is to network. So get out there, uh, both in forums and groups. Uh, join if you have a local area trade organization. So SEMPO was absorbed into the Digital Analytics Association, which is for better or for worse. That's it, what's, what's what happened. But Back in 06, I co-founded SEMPDX, which is short for Search Engine Marketers of Portland, and it's still alive and healthy with uh, 200 members and monthly events. Obviously, COVID has twisted that up, but um, they have a big annual event as well. So you can network uh, virtually and in person at, at area, local, or vir virtual events or, or associations. And then lastly, you know, it just starts with applying, you know, a, a, it, not just applying for jobs, but applying your knowledge. So if you aren't able to get somebody to pay for your expertise, volunteer and give it for free to get the experience and the ideally referrals and testimonials 
Um, so working for nonprofits that you're passionate about, doing in-kind work or trade, so it lowers their risk or their cost. Um, so I've, over the years, worked with uh, an exotic car touring company called World Class Driving, um, a, a heli-skiing operation in Bellicool, British Columbia. Um, I choose brands when if I'm going to do trade, it's going to be stuff that I, that I love to do or would, would not normally pay for, but would be happy to use those services. Over the years, I've done that. And so that's a good way to get your foot in the door is, is build a portfolio, basically. And then, then you have something to share along with a resume as real work experience. Awesome. I think that's really good advice, especially yeah, to get your foot in the door, just volunteer for things that, you, that you're passionate about. And now I'm sure you could go on and on about this last one. But if you can summarize, like if you're going to give one nugget of information, perhaps, what advice would you give to anyone that wants to improve their SEO for their business or brand? Uh, I would say that the one recommendation we've seen the absolute greatest return on is schema markup. So, you, you know, going to schema.org, looking at figuring out which of the markup uh, languages are most appropriate for your site. There's, you know, product listings, there's events. Uh, well, I'll just give you an example. Uh, we, op we mark up our blogs and our uh, articles. But one thing we, we uh, marked up recently was an article about augmented reality marketing. And that was one of our Gray Hat SEO guys that was really our expert on, on schema at the time. Um, just under a year ago, he wrote an article about augmented reality because he was passionate about it. We don't do augmented reality, uh, but he wrote about it. And if you do a search for augmented reality marketing, I think we're still in the top three. Um, and so what ends up happening is we started getting a lot of traffic for that term. And I was like, why are we getting that traffic now? Caveat, this um, ranking for that is great. Our impressions, we had a million impressions last month. So a lot of exposure. Um, that doesn't translate into as much traffic and almost no for noticeable conversions. Uh, because we don't do augmented reality. But this, uh, you know, it looks like on my search result, it looks like augmented reality marketing, that we are number, uh, we're number two behind HubSpot, which is kind of impressive. And, and who's behind us would be um, some e-consultancy search engine journal, top-ranked blogs, like these really large publishers or large uh, agencies. And we weren't even trying. But what that led to was an editor at The Economist out of Spain reached out and said, I'm doing an article on augmented reality and marketing. Can, can you be a resource? And lo and behold, you know, I ended up being a resource, even though I was clear to him that I don't do, uh, we don't do Anvil, we don't do augmented reality at Anvil, but uh, I was a resource. And uh, the article came out and we got a lot of exposure for that. And it's in their applied section of The Economist. And it's just, I spent an hour on the phone with him to get one sentence quote. That's kind of the nature of PR, which is part of the reason I got out of it, but it's a very powerful discipline. I still love it. So that, that's the power of augmented reality, augmented reality, of schema markup and augmented reality. I guess that's pretty powerful too, especially now with COVID. Yeah, that'll be big. That'll be big. <laughs> I'll be up there with VR as well. Thank yes. you so much. I think that's great advice. Uh, I'll check that out because it's something that I didn't really have any knowledge on prior to this conversation, really. I'm still a novice sure. at SEO, but if people do want to follow you and keep up with what you're doing, the work you're doing, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to uh, connect and collaborate would be on, on Twitter at Kent J. Lewis. 
You can follow Anvil at Anvil Media on Twitter or any other social platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm just Kent Lewis on LinkedIn, one of the first million subscribers and apparently the first Kent Lewis. So I have a good URL, easy to find. Just Google me at Kent Lewis. Uh, and then check out our website. Our insights section is deep at anvilmedia.com and you can connect with me through the connect to the contact us section. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, SEO knowledge today. And uh, yeah, all the best. Thank you.